We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like the burnout of codependency, being broken up and still dating, and why unequal incomes can make us feel outdone. But before we begin, Mm. we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Uh, We uh, don't have any sort of accreditation or education in this Mm -mm. matter besides the hard lessons that we've learned in this life (laughs) that we have lived. Good lessons too, easy lessons, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. free ones that I said no thank you to. Yep. Um, this is all to say we are not professionals. Uh, we are not trained in this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our ever humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs about the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, y'all, before we get into this week's check-in topic, um, Just a quick reminder that we've got some new merch out there. We've got really cute hoodies. I'm actually wearing one of the hoodies right now. If you are subscribed on our YouTube and watching the YouTube video, um, We've got hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, t-shirts, crop tops, notebooks, affirmation notebooks that you can like write all your dreams and hopes and wishes in. Um, They are very charming. Keychains that we've never had a keychain before. And these keychains are hella cute. I have one right here. Um, And 
and uh, yeah, stickers, magnets, all good stuff. So if you are doing some holiday shopping for the upcoming holiday season, or you just want to treat yourself because you've had a hard fucking <laughs> season, my friend, go to justbreakuppod.com. Check out that new merch. All right. So this week's check-in topic is the return of the favorite. Um, we are going to be rating relationship advice. Oh, I love it. This first... Yes, um, and shout out to all the Instagram followers that sent, that DM'd me <laughs> these Instagram um, relationship advice. For those of you who are new, Sam and I re- relate relationship advice from the internet world memes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're really questionable sometimes. They all right, are. here we go. Sometimes this one is great. from an account called Yeah, sometimes they're great. This is from an account called Queen Thoughts with two S's, mm, mm-hmm. and. This one says, my husband worked a 13-hour shift and still called me three times during work to make sure I was okay and to tell me he loves me. Sis, don't ever let a man tell you he doesn't have time. If he cares enough for you, he will make time, even if it's just a two-minute phone call. Samuel. Is this the <laughs> the disembodied queen thoughts that has this partner that works 13 hours a day? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. It's it's the surfs, you know. <laughs> I want. I really want to be like. Please cite your source. Like, I I need. Yeah. I need some evidence. Which of this. queen said this? <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, probably a lot of them because there was like some serious problematic power dynamics going on in monarchy oh, history. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Those those kings um, but- are not working thirteen hours a day. I'll tell you that much. But <laughs> I've okay, seen the crown. Uh, I know so, what's yeah. up. <laughs> Honestly, um, oh my God, great show. Uh, I do want to say though, like, sure, somebody checking in often, great. Somebody calling you three times during their shift um, could be comforting, sure. But it also like makes me a little nervous. Like um, they need to like check on you and make sure you're not like doing something. Like there's like a little anxiety happening in here for sure absolutely (laughs) and also this doesn't equate a healthy relationship if we're scoring this based on relationship advice like if somebody's working if somebody has their attention elsewhere that does not inherently mean that that they don't care about you or can't sustain a long relationship just because they can't call you on their 13-hour shift no and if they're like i don't know working on a factory line or something like how are they (laughs) you know what i mean like (laughs) Uh, so I think like, sure, whatever. I get the sentiment of like, cool. You should have a partner that like cares about your well being, (laughs) like baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the idea (laughs) that like, and again, it's like this like comparison, like judgy thing of like, my life is so good and you could have this, but you're settling for less is like, go fuck yourself. Who cares? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go live your perfect life with your partner who's working 13 hours and calls you three times. I don't care. Like leave me out of it. (laughs) (laughs) all right here we go more more this is all targeted to women i feel like this is thoughts for women is the account and the meme says when a woman is too faithful the man gets bored and finds women that excite him (laughs) (laughs) what do you think about that sam (laughs) okay wait Um, so is this like a pro cheating account? Like it's like, it's like, (laughs) 
Women thoughts. Yeah, women thoughts. I should cheat <laughs> so that my husband, so that my partner Too likes committed. me more. Or like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> No. Uh, what do you think? What are um, your thoughts on that? Well, my woman thought is uh, <laughs> I I've oh, let's go back to the I think we we scored these once upon a time. <laughs> we did. So I'm going to score this like a two out of ten because although you have to keep the fire alive, as my wife and I joke, like keep the romance alive. Sure. This equates like playing a game to me like oh i'm gonna always like have my one foot out the door or i'm always gonna be the ultimate chill girl and or like mysterious girl i guess and make sure you know that this is not forever or like this ring can come off girlfriend boyfriend husband <laughs> no and, and, <laughs> and it's like, that's just do you want to be with someone who only wants to be with you if they are threatened by another man. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I what don't it think is. so. Yeah. That so two out of ten. Fun. The two points are really just because I'm feeling generous. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, this is a good one. This is from The Lover's Mindset. And it says, don't rush into a relationship. Be friends first. Maybe they have hotter friends. Thank <laughs> me later. <laughs> that was not going where I thought it was. And I was about to be like, what? And now I'm like, yeah, no, this is great. That's great advice. <laughs> uh, yeah. 10 out of um, 10 on that one for sure. <laughs> no comment. Excellent. I'll, I'll say 12 out of 10 on that one. Yeah, no <laughs> notes. Kidding. No notes whatsoever. Perfectly executed. <laughs> Drew me in and then you twisted and I was like, what? Yeah. If you're watching, we talked about YouTube already, but if you're watching the video on YouTube, Sam's reaction, the visual reaction, <laughs> talk about. Talk about a, a hairpin turn. That's exactly what um, happened in my heart. All right. This next one's from the good quote. Uh, once you'll find, once you find your person, there's nobody else you want. Break that down for me, Sam. You will. I assume that means like once you find the one, then you will never want another person ever your again. Your genitals just like. <laughs> they dry up. Close for business. Mm -hmm. Yep, closed for business, uh, except for the occasional tourist activity mm -hmm. with your said spouse, but yes. like not too much, well, because if you're too faithful. Yeah, if you're too faithful, then that might not be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, they then own your genitals, and so they will never react to another person. Um, yeah, no, this is not true. <laughs> Well, and, I, and I think this is like a, this is a societal lie that we tell each other. That's what, that's sure. why we do this game, right? Is like unpacking the bad relationship out, out there is that like, there's so many wild expectations we set on ourselves and others. Like once you pick a partner or partners, you are never going to have feelings for anyone else or attraction for anyone else. And if you do, that means that the core of your said relationship is um, not strong or is at risk, which is just not true. Like I have crushes on TV characters. Um, I have, you know, I find other people attractive mm -hmm. other than my significant other. And if I told myself that I couldn't, or if I told myself that that meant that we, that, that, that my relationship or my love for my partner was, was somehow not pure or effective or, or whatever. Right. 
um, then I would feel really fucking bad about myself. I feel really anxious and concerned that like something was wrong with my relationship because I have a crush on a character in Abbott Elementary. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> I want to know it's which a one. Very charming show. It's a very charming uh, show. <laughs> no, absolutely. That is. <clears throat> I like recently met somebody for coffee for the first time and was like, this is a person that I would date. And then I was like, mm. but I'm not going to because I am intentionally choosing to be with this person that I love, whose name is right. Peter and right. who I want to spend the rest of my life with. And that feels like romance to me. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like we need to like cosmically complete each other in order to like be together. The fact that like both of us are in this relationship and choosing to be together, despite the fact that we would both have other options out there if we if we wanted them, is like right. I find that very romantic and wonderful and and delightful rather than this idea of like, I will never love another person again and I will never be attracted to anyone because Peter is just so perfect. It's that's just like unreasonable and like not. I really like that voice. Not true. I don't know what that, that voice, voice was. Never came out of. Also, I just want to say oh, that I loved it. Peter's at work today and he just texted me. So get you a man who will text you throughout the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did because Big Cats Spencer, our producer, just texted me. So I got the best of both worlds. I got a wife and a work husband <laughs> and a go. work boyfriend, which is you. <laughs> Wow, I'm the anyway. side piece in this in this trio. Is that what you're telling me? You would never commit to me. Uh, all right, I see. Don't I see pretend, where things are. Don't pretend like this is my choice. I would I would sister wife you two up all day. Anyway, um, okay, last one. Uh, I can't wait for you to respond to this one. This is from someone named Emilio Palafox, and they write. There's a typo in it, but I'm just going to skip it because it is already like a confusing thing. The meme says, I'm married three explanation points. (laughs) My commitment is to create a higher love, something the world has yet to see or know that is possible and to daily consciously create a space where my wife feels safe, seen, heard and loved. Okay, (laughs) sure. I'm a little concerned that you want it to be like nothing humanity has ever seen before. <laughs> That's what I want you to respond to. Like sec- if it was just like, if it, if it was just, I'm married and I want <laughs> to daily consciously create a space where my wife feels seen, heard and loved. Cool. That I'm is so a lovely that. goal, Absolutely. Emilio. I love that for you. And I love that for your wife even more, but to create a higher love, something the world has just to see or know that it's possible. Um, the one thing I wanted to pull out of this is that if you're married, your love is not somehow hierarchically higher than other loves. Very and, true. Um, there's nothing. Your path to spiritual enlightenment or betterment or like a higher vibrational love is your path and not a path to be compared to others. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Because and also there's what makes your cookie crumble doesn't make other people's cookie crumble. Absolutely. I'm mixing up those fucking metaphors. <laughs> it's, I, I think it's great. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, it's not a competition. And the fact that you're viewing it as a competition is concerning yeah. to me because if we're in competition to like prove that our love is the best love, then when yeah. our love isn't sustaining us or our love is experiencing challenges, we're going to like dismiss those because it's like, I have to yeah. prove that I have the best love out there that the world has never seen before. 
Well, and and for me, it's like the higher love um, hierarchy, whatever. Honestly, most of... I don't want to come off as a negative Nancy and that every every meme were like, fuck that. You're not you're not with it. You don't get it. And let me tell you all the ways why. Um, so we're not trying to like rain on Emilio's or his wife's parade. And also uh, there is a lot of explanation points in this, <laughs> in this meme. It's alarming. And um, and yeah. I don't know. That feels like a really high standard, um, and maybe that's the point for these these fine strangers that I don't know. They want to they want to strive for perfection, um, which doesn't exist. Is impossible. Yep. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, last bonus one. Um, what I think is a great one. This is from she speaks therapy from a person named Dr. Asha, and Dr. Asha says a healthy boundary to set with yourself is to manage your expectations of others. I love that. That's a great meme. I can get behind that. That's an excellent one. <laughs> Bam. I'm not going to expect you to create a love that the world has never seen before. No, but I would love you for you to establish some boundaries around your expectations of other people. <laughs> like that sounds, there we that go. sounds first mm-hmm. of all, manageable. <laughs> and secondly, yeah. probably will yield more healthy and nutritious results for you than trying to make your love existentially <laughs> the best that's ever happened. I have a question, Sam. Um, would you like me to create a new, I've never called you my work boyfriend again or before. And I feel like that doesn't really suit you. So like, is there, is there a title that we can consciously and effectively imagine like a higher title, mm. a title that we've never seen before. <laughs> it's it's vibrating on like a seen. different plane than. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> work boyfriend. <laughs> So think about it. Yeah, I will think about it. We got to think about something like, like as good as Sparkle Butch, the way that you describe your style. <laughs> like that is so on point. Um, it's got to be good like that. So maybe if y'all can think of something for Sam and I, we are like sister wives in a way. It is true. It is true. And the podcast is our, is our daddy. <laughs> Nope, 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 nope. Let's move on to our letters, my dear friends. Okay, here's our first letter. It's coming to us from Cody Pendant, whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing to us from The Void. I am writing as a self-understood codependent person for in a five-year relationship with my partner, he, him. I have felt super beholden to his feelings for years and years now and would say in many ways, he has a much more secure attachment style than I do. And we've existed in these patterns for a long time. I am definitely anxiously attached. I want to make him comfortable and happy and know how loved he is. And he wants that for me too. But I always feel like I have to go above and beyond. There was a time, sorry, Spence. There was a long time when he told me that I didn't need to try so hard to be loved by him. In many ways, he has taught me how to accept love more openly and to need less of others. I get into unnecessary periods of caretaking fatigue, though, because my boyfriend has severe depression and mood swings, and I try to intervene and fix. I know it's not right, and it's not my job to do so, and he's reminded me of that fact, but I worry about him, and I just want him to be okay. 
I'm writing because I know that this is not sustainable. I don't feel good about how much I do this. Try to parse how he's feeling, help him through things, overanalyze, etc. And he doesn't really need me to do it anyway. It's just really uncomfortable when he's so unhappy. We've had a hard conversation the other night about how he does not feel he needs to talk to a therapist. He feels like he can solve all of his problems inside himself. I have felt like I am his therapist since he doesn't talk to anyone else about his feelings, but maybe I'm just trying too hard to take on what is his. I have neglected myself in all of this and haven't always been able to figure out how I actually feel. I myself have struggled a lot with self-esteem and depression. When I feel down, my partner is much better at just being there for me, holding me, holding space. I feel like I struggle to do the same for him because he gets sad much, much more often and I just want to fix. I know that it's not ultimately helpful, but I really have felt burnt out in some ways trying to overextend. I don't know if either of you will relate to this feeling of being overly involved in someone else's feelings or emotional landscapes, but I feel like I need advice on how to lovingly extricate myself from his world so that we can be two full people and not one full person and also me, an emotional barnacle to his feelings, unaware of my own wants or needs. Or maybe I need help on how to be there for him in a healthier way and really it's me that's the problem. How do I start being a more healthy partner for him and for myself? How do I remove myself from this relationship to do it? Thank you so much for everything you do. I love you. All right, codependent. Thank you so much for writing to us, for trusting us with this question. Um, I feel your pain and your sadness and anxiety in this letter, um, this sort of uh expectation that you've put on yourself to fix his problems. And then also this expectation that you're placing on yourself to not fix his problems. And it feels like, uh, you are kind of in a, in a hard place trying to navigate what it looks like to, to be supportive while also having some established boundaries around what is your job, what isn't your job, what he can unload onto you and what is not your responsibility to carry. Um, and I think a lot of folks will relate to it. I know that I relate to it, right. As somebody who, um, was really taught at a young age that I needed to be the emotional caretaker for a parent. Um, that it was my job to make sure that he wasn't sad, uh, that, that I had to know his moods and find ways to intervene when they were getting too bad. Um, and then trying to live my life as a person in partnership with, with somebody who has also experienced a lot of grief and sadness over the course of the last few years, um, and finding ways to navigate the idea that it's really hard to watch a partner in pain. And it's really hard to disrupt the training that I've had that it's my, if someone around me is upset or uncomfortable, that it's, I need to be uncomfortable and find a way to make everything feel better or look better. Um, and it's really, it's been really challenging for me and and I'm hearing that it's also really challenging for you. So I'm sorry that all of that is happening. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of ways to get lost in this. You know, we have our interpersonal conditionings as Sam referenced, like his relationships growing up that taught him to be mindful of other people's emotions. Um, we have our cultural conditioning, which is that um, if you're not taking care of other people, you're being selfish or, mm. Um, 
other people's problems are our problems to solve, you know? Um, and obviously there are good, there are good morals in those ideas. Like we all want to be, we all need help. Sometimes we all want to be connected in a larger community. And also uh, we are not, as you said, dear letter writer, like we, it is not, we cannot take care of other people's problems for them. Mm -hmm. We can be supportive. We can hold space. We can be loving and helpful at times, but um, you will not be able to get your boyfriend through his depression. You will not heal that from him by helping him in some magical formulation that you have not figured out yet, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and also... Um, it sounds like you're struggling with your own boundaries and understanding of yourself and your relationship to yourself. Right. The thing I relate to the most in here is um, that my codependence in the past and still to this day probably manifests in a disassociation with the self, you know, mm -hmm. that like I am much, the barometer within me is much more attuned to the external than the internal. I, it is, it is not natural for me to sit and to sit in that quietness of the self and say, okay, what do I need? What do, what would help me get through the day? The barometer within me is much more attuned to other people, mm. other discomforts. Like if they are upset, it's, it, it is almost impossible to hear my own like inner stir or whatever. Um, and I don't know, you know, my first piece of advice for like untangling all of this is, is to take a deep breath. Know that there is, that there's no person out there that approaches relationships perfectly, mm. that there's no person out there that it's like, that's not, uh, intertangled in some way that could use some ironing out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for sure. number one, but number two, um, just like we can't take care of others for them, they cannot uphold our boundary boundaries for us. Meaning as I read your letter and you say like, I know this is inappropriate and I, and I know I need to make this more sustainable. I guess I just want to say it's going to start with you getting more comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's going to start with you saying, my boyfriend is sad right now. Mm. His sadness is coming out and it is touching me mm -hmm. and it is triggering every instinct in me. It has to go and make that sadness go away, you know, but instead you have to sort of just sit there and feel that sadness mm. And feel that discomfort and that fear that if he's sad, he's going to leave you or whatever taught you from when you were little, you know, whatever taught you when you were little that other people's discomfort is, um, is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you have to sit in that sort of discomfort and say, nope, I, you know, this is around me. It's not of me. This is a part of my relationship, but it is not my responsibility and I can support my partner from a different vantage point, especially because he's told me that that's true. You know, I can sit in the trust of that and say, he, he told me that I am not responsible for making him feel better or whatever. Yep. Obviously this is all said with a grain of salt because like, um, is it salt or sand? Salt. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a seasoning. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know where the phrase comes from, but it's definitely salt. <laughs> 
Um, excellent. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, take this with a grain of salt because I, I don't think there's anything. I think the tricky thing about teaching yourself to be less codependent is like I said earlier, there are good things in helping people, you know, mm-hmm. it's good to be there for somebody when they're going through a hard time. Sure. Right. That's a good thing. Right. But like you said, in your relationship, you, you feel like you're not a whole self because you're giving of yourself so much. And that is what's unsustainable in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that Sierra is right that there is self-work that needs to happen here for sure, right? Of noticing when this impulse is coming up in you and deciding to do something different. And I also really want you to talk with your boyfriend about the burnout that you're feeling in this relationship, right? And I want you to own what's yours, which is to say, and I know that I... um. I know that I need to find a different way to see you sad and, you know, keep myself from trying to fix it. And also it's really hard to watch you go through this and feel like I'm the only thing available to you to help. Right. It feels like I need you to help spread some of this, um, this workaround because I can't be the only one that you talk to your feelings about, right? Because it's clearly not sustainable for me and it's making me unable to sort of function well in this relationship, right? And that doesn't necessarily need to look like a therapist if, if he doesn't want to do a therapist, like that's fine, but it needs to be somebody besides just you right. all the time. Right. And Sam and I are not in your relationship, so we don't know what the ins and outs of these conversations yep. has been, have been so far, but it sounds like it's been... I think you need help. I think you could benefit from a therapist. But what we're saying is we want I statements from you. We want you to claim your discomfort, your needs. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling burnt out. I'm feeling less whole. I'm feeling like I need, um, this is how I'm experiencing this. And I'm wondering if you can support me in doing this differently. Um, Sam and I were talking earlier about like how complicated it can be when we ourselves see how clearly another person could benefit from therapy. Like Mm. that's all Sam and I do here is like, (laughs) we say the taglines, we have a book for you (laughs) and go to therapy, 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 therapy has been a huge tool in Sam's healing and in my healing. Mm -hmm. And we, we believe in it as a, an approach as an, as a life enrichment tool, you know? And also, uh, we're not in everybody's ex- body's experiences. Like, For sure. I'm, I'm sure that there are people out there that just would not benefit from traditional talk therapy or whatever. And um, more importantly, when we see how clearly therapy could benefit another p- person, we are taking, we're actively assuming a ton about what is it what it's like to be in their shoes. Um, and more importantly, I guess uh, we can never, you can never, we can't tell people what to do is all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that real. gets really frustrating when we see, when we see the one path that we want, that we think would change everything for their life. For sure. You know, like there's, there is a difficult person in my life whom I love deeply. And I always think if they just did X, Y, and Z, if they just talked to this person, if they just use this approach in their healing, they would be on that path of healing. They would, they would get to where I want them to go. They'd be happier. Oh my God, it would be great. Yada, yada. But like, that's not necessarily true. Like, I don't know what 
they need. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and they could get on that one path that I think, I think we get fixed fixated on what we think other people need, which is not a bad thing. Again, mm-hmm. it's just a human thing. And the most important thing you should take from this weird rambling rant is that, uh, you're never, you will not be what gets your boyfriend to go to therapy. Is that what I want to say? <laughs> I think the choice about therapy is say? his. Yeah. And he's the one that has to decide to do it, not you. Yes. Yes. And I guess regardless, Sam's approach, Sam and I's approach in answering this letter is to say, regardless of whether or not your boyfriend chooses therapy, that is not what is going to fix this scenario. What's going, and and I use that word fix like roughly, what's going to help tend to this scenario is you taking ownership over what your needs are and starting to communicate in a more even way where you affirm his feelings and you also make space and affirm yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think reading your letter, you keep telling us that you're like a barnacle, that you don't have any wants or needs. You don't know what you want or need. But to me, you're pretty clear about what you want and need in this mm-hmm. relationship, yep. right? <laughs> Which is more emotional distance from your partner's um, from your partner's sadness, right? And part of that emotional distance can come from you where you're reminding yourself that it's not your job to fix him or his situation. And the other part of it can be inviting him to help you find a way to not have to do all of the emotional work of supporting him in what's happening here, right? And so, again, I just don't want the narrative around this to be that you are somehow lacking either in enough spine to stand up for yourself or lacking in enough resources to be able to fix this man, right? Like, that's not what's happening mm-hmm. here. And so mm-hmm. you are you are capable of doing this stuff. You have it in front of you. And it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be different yes. because you're doing something that you're not practiced in, right? Sounds like you've been practiced in this type of way of moving through this relationship for a long time, right? Five Five years. That's a long time. And now you're going to try to do something different. So just remind yourself as this is happening, that even if it doesn't work out perfectly every single time you try it, that you are developing something new, which is going to take time and it's going to take intention. So I want you to not feel discouraged the first time that you try to establish some, some emotional distance and then realize, Oh, it didn't work. I still felt like I needed to fix him. Like, yep, absolutely. That makes sense to me because of the way that you've been doing this so far. And what did you try? Did it work? Did it not work? What's something else that you want to try because I know that you can do this. I think that I'm, my guess is that this relationship so is beautiful. beautiful and wonderful and sustainable for you. You just got to try to do something different in it in this moment. I think that's so beautiful and could be applied to like a thousand different scenarios out there. Just about doing something different yeah. like that. The discomfort of the newness and not being afraid of it. I love that, Sam. The last thing I just want to add on to that is I have seen... I think a product of like social media, Instagram therapy is this feeling of constantly needing to fix the self, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And constantly feeling like the anxiety of like, oh my God, I'm codependent or I'm anxiously attached, like, and this is not going away. And we've said this before in previous episodes, but the goal is not to 
erase your codependency or your people pleasing, or, you know, the goal is not to become wholly independent um, and never need another person or another, or never comfort another person or never fix your boyfriend's problems again. The goal is about balance, sustainability, adaptivity, mm. leaning into newness because newness is never going to go away too. <laughs> That's also You're going to get yep. to... Right. You're going to you're going to create new relationship habits, like leaning into this discomfort. And then there's going to be a new discomfort. There's going to be a new need. You're going to be a different person. He's going to be a different person in a year. And um, I just uh, I see this in me and in so many people right now, this checklist, this ever growing checklist of like the ways that we can be better. Mm. Um, And I don't want this to add to your anxiety. when you, when, when your boyfriend comes to you in a couple months and is like, I'm really sad. And you say, you know what, I'm going to hold you and bake you a cake and, and tell you about why you shouldn't (laughs) be sad all the time and go back to those behaviors of like, quote unquote, solving his problems for him. Like it's gotta be a balance. Absolutely. And that's all I'll say. Absolutely. All right, my darling. Uh, we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. 
All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, everyone. Our next letter comes from Haley, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from Bad Decisionville, a.k.a. hiding from what I know is right. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I've been listening to your podcast so much the last month as I've been going through a real breakup from my first real question mark relationship in the last five years. It's been helping a lot, and I know your advice will be block, 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 and just break up, but I'm putting it out there anyways. So I reconnected with an old friend from my teenage years. We'll call him M about eight months ago at a bar. We started talking and went out to catch up about a month later as our friendship ended on rocky terms. We were part of a larger friend group that exploded and we never really dealt with the aftermath. We had always been on good terms and he checked up on me a couple times afterward, but eventually we lost touch. It was really nice to go out and catch up and I wasn't really sure if I was supposed to be a date or not. We didn't see each other for a while because he works out of town and was on rotation of 12 days on and four days off. We had plans to get drinks one night. He was home, but ended up spending almost the entire time he was back at my apartment. Needless to say, things got hot and heavy pretty fast. He told me that he had gotten out of a five-year relationship recently and wasn't looking for anything serious, but his actions said otherwise. M ended up being in town for the majority of the summer, and we got pretty serious and became comfortable enough that he asked me to be his girlfriend within a few months. We had been exclusive and obsessive from the start, but he was uncomfortable with the idea of labels at first. We spent all of our time together doing fun things and meeting each other's friends and family. I knew he would eventually be going back out of town for work, but decided to let myself enjoy what we had at the time. Come September, he had signed a new contract that would keep him out of town for 20 days of the month, 10 days gone, three days back. We talked about it a bit, but he always said that we would make it work. After two turns of out of town, we ended up having a conversation that resulted in him breaking things off. While I was super, super sad, it was the right thing to do as I knew that eventually the distance would drive me crazy. We had both done it before and knew how hard it was. Because this break was amicable and there were no real problems in our relationship, it felt okay to keep talking as we quickly became best friends as he got me through the demise of my oldest, strongest friendship. When M came back for the first time after our breakup, we ended up hanging out and hooking up, which felt okay in the moment. After he left, the texting started to get sparser, which made me anxious. Even though I knew we were broken up, I still went to him for comfort and felt that he was someone that cared about me. The last time he came back, we spent the whole weekend together, went to a movie, got breakfast, and lounged in bed all day. It felt normal, but we both knew it wasn't fixing anything. 
Now the texting has almost dropped off and he's screened me, which I took very personally as we didn't end on bad terms and had had a great weekend together. I've asked him where he's at and if he's okay to keep talking or if he'd rather not and I've gotten ambiguous answers. I guess my question is, how do I let go? How do I give up my first real relationship in five years that had no real problems except distance and poor timing? Now I'm questioning everything because I can't get a straight answer out of him. And I'm wondering if he ever cared about me or if I was just a rebound. I feel like I deserve more, but he's all I want right now. I know I need to stop seeing him and relying on him for comfort, but none of my friends know we've been seeing each other. And I feel like I have no one to talk about this with as we technically broke up over a month ago. How do I let him go even though I don't have a clear answer to what has changed, what has made him want to stop talking, even though I know he'll probably text me next time he's back in town? I know I'm worth more than this, but as a person who relies heavily on honest communication, I keep thinking that if I see him one more time, I might get the answers I'm looking for. Any advice you have would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for taking the time to read this long letter full of word vomit. Oh, my darling Haley, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter and for listening. Um, we are sorry you are in a pickle with this person. Um, I definitely know what it's like to to be in a situation like this where you're constantly feeling like you are left out of part of the story. Mm. And so you can't you can't finish the book mm-hmm. because you're like a chapter is missing. Do you know what I mean? Or like I I want to. I want to finalize this story in a way that makes me feel comfortable putting it down and moving on. A um, couple things I just want to point out um, that are classic JBUisms. <laughs> <laughs> um, and don't get me wrong, I would say the exact same thing. But there's, a, you know, there's a sentence in your letter that says there weren't any real problems in this relationship except for yep. timing and distance. Well, those sound like. Sounds like, yeah, sound like real problems for sure. <laughs> well, they sound like issues like that yeah. you in your letter said, I totally get why we broke up because I couldn't handle long distance. And that my darling sounds like an incompatibility to me. For sure. And again and again and again, I want us head and heart workers to recognize that our needs and wants are just as important as Mm -hmm. other needs and wants out there in the world. And if you need and want to not be in a long distance relationship, that is a valid reason to, to, to step aside to say like this relationship was good, but it didn't have the markers for sustainability and success. And although that is confusing and conflicting and icky, um, that is true. That sounds like a real problem to me. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think we sometimes like look at stuff like that as being like separate from our relationships, but mm-hmm. like timing, distance, context are not separate from, they are integral to our relationships, right? They define our relationships with people. And so the idea that like love conquers all is great when you're watching like love actually, but when you're actually living mm-hmm. in a relationship with some somebody. Actually. <laughs> exactly. Uh, timing, distance, context, all of these different things are yeah. are not just like distractions from the relationship. They are core elements of it that, that can make or break it. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, again, like return to another like JBU staple that I haven't said in like maybe a year. But when I was um, processing through, oh, motherfucker, I got to talk about this fucker again. <laughs> you really going to talk about 
again in this episode. Bitch! Will you bleep that name? <laughs> I was going to do the percentage thing. Okay. I was yeah, the percentage no, no, no. thing okay, love it. Because I was thinking about new listeners. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I was thinking about I'm like, into it. Go for it. Anyway, when I was, you know, getting over that person, um, a person in my life, um, I kept on being like, well, I want more. I want more from them. Like if we could just, like I said earlier, like if I could just get that extra chapter or that extra moment or the extra conversation, then that would get us to the level where we would feel either more compatible or more resolved, or I would finally get over this person, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I always wanted more from him, you know, whether that be, uh, more affection, more love, more consistency or more closure. Like I wanted, I felt like the door was perpetually half open. Mm. Um, and I would, I remember saying to like my friends at the time, like, I feel like I have, I'm getting 30% of him and I want a hundred percent of him. But then I had the epiphany that that was his hundred percent, you know, that he wasn't going to give me more. It was, this, this is what he could give me at the, at the time in his life. And it's the same thing about the, like the, no bad things in this relationship. No, no, no. This is a whole relationship. Right. This is happening 100% right now in real of this time. relationship, yep, right? Exactly. It's not 20% of it. It is a hundred percent of the relationship that is right. available to you right now. Right. Exactly. And again, the thing about these ways of looking at our pain doesn't make it less painful. <laughs> yeah, it can right, sometimes yes. <laughs> make it more palatable yep. or give you some sort of framework to hold that pain up against. Absolutely. Right. Um, so now you can look at the pain and think you can look at this breakup and think, okay, well I had all of him and we still didn't work. Mm-hmm. Our incompatibility was we are, is distance something that both of us consensually didn't want. Mm. I know this and I'm going to use this framework to sort of, talk some sense into the the gray space in my brain, the the in-between that is so hard to sit into. Also, girl, close that door. <laughs> he can't text you when he's back in town if you block his number. <laughs> I love it when Sorry. you say the block, because then I, I like I feel a little bit like, oh good, I don't have to be the dick this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm also, I'm not I'm gonna be the dick and I'm gonna be messy. Are you ready oh, for this? I, love I it. think I think you should tell your friends. Oh, I absolutely like you deserve you to be able to talk to somebody. Yeah, I was like, be messy. Tell your friends. This like, is not gossip. This is your real life. Yeah, I was like, Haley, you're not the first person in the world to to keep hooking up with somebody you broke up with, right? Like that is a very common thing that that has happened yeah. to me and to many of the people in my life, right? So so be honest yeah. about it, right? And and I don't think that you didn't make any like mistakes. You know what I mean? Like you didn't do anything bad. Like this is like such a human and understandable thing to, to say like we broke up and we thought that we could be friends. And then that friends thing turned into hooking up. And now it's like worse than it was before. Like, yep. mm -hmm, That makes sense to me. Like that is a very, (laughs) very normal thing that I have seen many people do in relationships. So, so talk to your friends about it. There's nothing to be ashamed about here. Like you're not somebody who, needs to keep this in the, in the closet, right? Like this is, this is something that Mm -hmm. is completely understandable and that you deserve to, to talk with and share with your friends about. I think exhaling some of it will help you feel better too, Mm -hmm. because like you keep saying like, I want different, I want some answers, um, or want some clarity or healing or, or if I just had one more conversation with him, talking to your friends or at least 
making space for some of that discomfort out loud will hopefully help you understand that you've got some answers right now. They're just not yet fun. They don't feel good. There's nothing that feels good about a breakup 99% of the time. For sure. Right. Um, there's nothing that feels good about, especially, oh my God, a situationship, you know, um, where like you don't know where you stand, where you're waiting by the phone, where you feel like they're ignoring you. Like none of that feels good, but is it an answer? Yeah, it's a loud and clear answer to me. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not we feel safe and supported enough to actually listen to it. And that's why we want to lean that's why we we want you to lean on your community. For sure. To be like, "Man, he screamed my call and that really hurt. Should I call him again?" And then they'll all say, "No, yeah. don't call him. Black him." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think the tears right that like the want for this person isn't going to go away immediately just because you've blocked, just because you have broken up, right? And so the point, mm-hmm. your measure of success can't be whether or not I want this person, right? Because the, yeah. the measure of success is how do I acknowledge the fact that this want is not going to go away anytime soon? And also I know what I'm going to do when this want comes up for me, right? I'm going to remind myself of these things. I'm going to talk to this yeah. person, right? What are the what are the things that are in place for me to say like this very normal and natural emotion is coming up in me? It's not telling me that I'm doing something wrong. It's just telling me this thing that I already know. And so knowing that, what am I going to do? Not talk to this person because yeah. that's not going to solve the problem, right? It's about talking to my friend. It's about, I don't know, watching a movie, whatever it is to help like help sort of deal with the fact that this yeah. emotion is going to continue to come up no matter what you do. Yeah. And let me reframe one thing for everyone and myself. Sure. (laughs) I would say 90% of the time, the solution does not lie within the problem. Yep. Right. Yep. Especially when it comes to interpersonal relationships, um, breakups, let's say that like, yes, it's (laughs) when it comes to breakups, that's, this is the rule. The solution 90% of the time is not about going back to that person for more clarity, Um, you know, to close the chapter, to get that last coffee, to figure out what happened. Um, We need to find a way to strengthen the muscle within us that is okay with the not knowing, Mm -hmm. that is okay with the proof we already have. He's screening your phone calls. He's not responding to your text messages. He doesn't want to be in a long distance relationship with him. And you don't want to be in a long distance relationship with him either. That is cold, hard facts, you know, (laughs) and going to find out, going to seek out more facts, more clarity, um, is just not really relying on your own truth. Your own, what you know right now. I know. And I know you're confused too. Like that. I think what's hard is that we can be confused and stand in our own clarity at the same time. Like Mm -hmm. I might not know why he's pulling away after we reconnected, but I know that this doesn't feel good to me and I deserve better. Mm -hmm. I might think that we had a perfect relationship. I might feel like we had a perfect relationship if, 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 but I know I don't want to be in a long distance relationship and he's long distance. So there we go. Absolutely. And your experience of the relationship is just as valid as his is, right? So if he was in it and didn't feel shit for you, that doesn't mean that you didn't feel things for him or feel that affection that he had for you. Right. And I, 
I know that that's really hard because it, it's like, it's so difficult sometimes to square our experiences and to be like, how could right. somebody else be having a very different experience of this relationship? Yeah. But first of all, you don't know that he was. And secondly, that doesn't mean that your experience of it wasn't true, right? It doesn't mean right. that, that your feelings for him or the things you felt from him weren't true. All right, my darling, we hope this helps. Um, we hope your heart feels a little less heavy and a little less isolated right now. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. All right, our third and final letter comes to us from Accidental Trophy Wife, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from The Big Apple. Dear Sam and Sierra, I just graduated from college and suddenly find myself in the ever-present confusion that is dun-dun-dun, my early 20s. I have an unfulfilling nine to five, a mediocre roommate that I struggled to call a friend and a never full (laughs) wallet. Thank you, New York City. Mm. What I do have is a wonderful, beautiful, fulfilling two-year relationship with James who graduated a year before me and seems to be riding a high of fulfillment. He recently found a new job that pays extremely well and scratches his brain itches. That's a weird (laughs) sentence for me to say. I totally get it. It's just like weird to say out loud and to picture a brain itch. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, he has an abundance of hobbies and interests and he knows where he wants to be in five, 10 and 15 years. He's a Virgo. Oh. I don't know what that means, but I will believe you <laughs> that, that those are correlated. Uh-huh. <laughs> James is what one would call traditional in the sense that he expects to provide for me now and for however long our relationship lasts. And, but we both think it's forever. He has made it explicitly clear that if I were to one day out earn him, he wouldn't have a problem with it in terms of his masculinity. However, he does enjoy being the breadwinner and treating me to nice things and experiences. He's also made it explicitly clear that he absolutely loves watching me set goals and accomplish them for myself. All in all, supportive boyfriend. My internal struggle, separate from how he makes me feel, is that I feel like a submissive girlfriend without her own real goals and accomplishments. Don't Mm. get me wrong. I aspire to wealth and happiness and success. I'm generally pretty independent and enjoy being a bad bleep in terms of career and drive. But in this weird post-grad confusion, I find myself without a next step. Next and step are capitalized. (laughs) I don't really know what I want to do next for my career, what my hobbies are or what my interests are. And as my mother so kindly put it, I'm literally, quote, in a city of endless opportunities. Thanks so much, mom. (laughs) 
<laughs> James is supportive in his recognition and validation of the post-grad confusion and constantly reminds me to be a little kinder to myself, but I struggle being the quote unquote lesser one in our relationship. I find myself comparing my accomplishments with his and it makes me feel small. I obviously want great things for myself and for both of us, but it's difficult to validate my accomplishments when he's constantly quote outdoing me by knowing exactly which goals he wants to accomplish next. Mm. How do I tell myself that I'm good enough for this great guy? How do I make myself feel f- feel more comfortable in this limbo while I figure out what exactly I want next? What do I even want next? Log- <laughs> logically, I know post-grad is a real struggle for lots of people, but emotionally I feel like I'm floundering. Mm. Thank you both so much for taking the time to read this letter. I love you both so much that I actually started working out, uh, working on my own podcast about feelings, mm. love and more love accidental trophy wife. All right. Accidental trophy wife. Um, thank you for writing into us. Um, and I just want to say, uh, definitely relate to this feeling of, <laughs> not knowing exactly where your life is going and feeling like you don't have any hobbies or anything exciting going on in your life. Um, I feel like I go through multiple different iterations of that every few years. And I definitely Mm. felt it when I was a recent college graduate. (laughs) So tell me more, what does that feel like? Or how does that show up in your life on like a day to day, I guess? Uh, it's just sort of like a general, um, low hum of anxiety that they're, that I'm missing Mm. out on things or that Mm -hmm. I should have like a clearer vision for what I'm working towards. Because other people do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm Because like there's lots of people, um, I would say that's less true in my thirties, honestly, that people have sort of accepted the fact that like we don't have to have like a grand purpose in life. Um, (laughs) But definitely when I was younger, sort of this idea of like, this is what I'm working towards and this is what I want to be doing. Um, and I have this goal in mind and I'm working towards it. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and I still sometimes struggle with that. Right. Cause I, I still do have people in my life who are like very clear about like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Um, and I think honestly, what has helped for me is seeing those folks get their legs like <laughs> cut out from under them. Yeah, flounder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and not in like a meaner, like. What's helped yeah. Sam's healing <laughs> like, is other people's not in like wounds. Not in like a schadenfreude <laughs> way where I was like, ha you <laughs> jerk. No, but instead like this way of like, sort of this recognition that I, yeah, that I, that I came to realize that like, oh, even these people who I see as being super put together, who have their like life path available to them and are like working towards it also hit things in their lives that totally disrupt that progress. Right. Or that like right. totally right. throw them onto a different path or maybe even stop that progress from happening in like a meaningful way. Um, and just being like, yeah. cool. Yeah, absolutely. You can, I'm sure there are some people in their lives who are like, I like, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do it really well. And I'm going to be really good at it for the rest of my life. And that's successful right. for them. My experience is that 90 9% of the people that I know have hit, hit some sort of major trip up in their life that has caused them to either yeah. change or get delayed or stop doing what they were doing. Um, and I think that that really helps me put things in perspective. I say this even as I'm in a moment of transition in my life where I'm feeling a lot of the things that you're feeling <laughs> about, like, yes, what is totally. my career going to look like? What do I want? Do I even have any skills? Do I even have any desires for what I want to do? Um, so yeah. I feel, I feel a deep kindred with you in this moment. Cause I'm also going through 
a transition, which is all to say that I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I am being laid off of my other my other job. And so I'm also trying to figure out what my future career is going to look like. Yeah. Um, I think about what you what you just said about like comparing yourself to other people um, and how like it helps when you see their messy humanity too. Mm-hmm. I'm always like deeply threatened by people who have really strong routines or hobbies or sure. or habits. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think about like runners. Like I have been like running on and off for the past couple years of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um but I never feel like I am one of those people that like, oh my God, they run regularly in this way that they have an established, more respectable, committed vision and goal and hobby than I do. Or people who have like, um, I don't know who, who make a healthy breakfast every morning. (laughs) I'm like, I I imagine that those people never don't make that healthy breakfast every morning, you know? Um, and they never sleep in or they never get sick or they never get a, McGriddle, which is the most sinful, delicious thing because it's like soaked in syrup. <laughs> I honestly like don't like them, but I can totally understand why they. It's like literally bread infused, no, syrup infused bread. It is. It is. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, I think we create this fantasy about other people um, that they have this clear vision. They're better ex- executing it. They're more professional. They're more put together. Absolutely. Um, and they don't flounder like we flounder. We're the fucked up ones. They're the people who quote have it together. And I would sure. even say this about your boyfriend that like, sure, he has a five, 10, 15 year plan. And also he just probably processes information differently than you do response to triggers and goals differently than you do, but he still does his own form of floundering that you might do perfectly efficiently. You know, like maybe he's, maybe he doesn't floss his teeth every day, or maybe he doesn't put deodorant on every day, or maybe he, um, you know, he doesn't read as much like you're an avid reader and he doesn't read and he feels like less intelligent because he's not a reader, yep. you know, or like, or me, I, I listen to audiobooks all the time and I chronically feel like I'm not a good reader because I just listen to audiobooks, which is like a really ableist thing <laughs> in our society. Uh-huh. Um, and I, but I always feel like I must come off as like less well-read or, you know, whatever. For sure. If there's like a hierarchy, because you know what it is, capitalism and ableism and all of these things make it as though there is a hierarchy to productivity and there's a 100%. hierarchy to our our jobs. And, um, you know, I saw Fetterman from Pennsylvania do a speech the other day and I really loved something he said, which was um, all jobs have dignity and all work has dignity. Mm. And I would extend that to say like all existence has dignity. Like in this liminal time post-grad, you might be trying to find value in yourself based on a scale that is inherently flawed and problematic. Mm. If you compare yourself on a scale of my goodness equates how much money I make, my goodness equates how much work I'm doing, what type of job I have, what I'm quote unquote contributing to the society of, I don't know, productivity. Like, yeah, that's that scale that, that, that form of self-judgment is always 
going to subjugate us and make us feel bad about ourselves because that is the foundation of capitalism is that like if you're not working hard and working in a quote unquote respectable way, you have less value than other people. Yeah. I do think it's important to acknowledge that the, that there's privilege in not having to, I mean, you are working. So let's say that there's privilege in, in having the space to decide what you want to do or to try and figure out what you want to do. Right. And there's privilege in being well taken care of by a spouse or loved one. And also that doesn't mean that what you're going through isn't challenging, right? Doesn't mean that there's not stuff about that, that can be, that can undermine our sense of value that can undermine who we are. Um, and so I just want to say to you that, that this is an opportunity for you to use this, this resource that you have to find time to decide what you want to do, right? Like use this time, um, this, this post-graduation time to try some th- new things out, right? I think, again, there's like this sort of idea that we have to define ourselves by the things that we do, right? I don't have a hobby, right? And it's like, you don't have any, ho- like you, there aren't things that you do, like even, or you don't watch TV, like that can be a hobby, you know what I mean? And like, is there a hierarchy of hobbies oh, that you're talking about? Like you don't, you don't like rock climb right. or you don't, um, your hobby is that you like to cook and watch reality TV. That's a hobby. For sure. You're also like recording a podcast. Right. And I think, right. Um, one time I had a coach that offered me this metaphor, which I will also offer to you. Spencer hates this metaphor, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, there are folks who are speed boats, right. And those are folks that like see the goal in mind and want to get there as fast as possible on the straightest trajectory. And then there are folks who are sailboats who need to sort of go where the wind takes them, right? Maybe moving in a general direction, but are also dependent on sort of what's available to them, how they're feeling, that kind of stuff, and may have the opportunity to stop in different places and explore different things. We live in a Mm -hmm. society that values speedboats over sailboats, right? We live in a society Mm -hmm. that says we're all speedboats. And if you're not doing the speedboat thing, then guess what? You're failing. (laughs) And it took a long time for me. And I still struggle with this to decide or to realize that like, I'm actually a sailboat and I like being a sailboat much more than Mm -hmm. I like being a speedboat. I don't think that I'm ever going to be at a point where I am like, this is my career and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be the best at it. And I'm going to get there as fast as possible. It's not interesting to me. I was told that I needed to be interested in it when I was in my twenties and because of right. the, the, the parenting that I was given. But I will say that my decision to recognize the fact that I don't need to be the best or I don't need to have the perfect goal or trajectory in mind has actually made me appreciate the privileges that I do have in different ways because I'm more able to see them, right? I'm more able to say, oh, I'm so lucky that I have gotten to work these different types of jobs with these different types of people. I'm so lucky that I am am heading right now into unemployment and I have the capacity to be able to pause and restore and take care of myself, right? And mm-hmm. instead of making myself feel bad that I'm not on some sort of speedboat trajectory, I can embrace and enjoy and appreciate those things that are available to me differently. So I want you to be able to do that too, right? You don't have to have a five-year plan to be a successful person. And the fact that you have these resources available to you means that you get to explore who you are in ways that other folks don't. So what does it look yeah. like for you to embrace that and say, I don't need to hold myself to the standard that other people have placed on me or that society is placing on me or even that my boyfriend is placing on himself, right? 
I get to decide what I'm going to do with the, all of these different opportunities available to me. I don't have to be a baker and be the best baker and be like, cool, my hobby is baking, right? Like dabble in it. I tried baking this weekend. It was fun. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Or like, you don't have to be the best piano player to say like, I enjoy playing piano. Right. So disrupting this, like this deeply capitalist, deeply white supremacist idea that like we all need to be working towards success that looks a very particular way is really harmful to ourselves and to other folks. So like, what does it look like for you to, to try and push back against that and enjoy and use what you have available to you to decide to do something different than, than what seems to be required of you by everyone else around you. Yeah. And you say that you're struggling to compare your accomplishments against your boyfriend's. But what I'm hoping is that this conversation will shift that sort of self-violence out of the picture. Because if there's not a hierarchy of um, work, if there's not a, if there's not, if there's no more valuable partner than another if we're not placing human value on money and the type of job we have and the way we spend our days, then your boyfriend is, is on one line and you are on the same parallel line. Right. Mm. Um, and I just want to touch really quickly on caretaking because mm. as somebody who has a non-traditional um, career, who chronically makes less money than my significant other does who, who chronically doesn't know what the next step is because I don't know how long this podcast will last. I don't know if I'll get a next book deal. I don't know how well the book will sell. I don't know how many ads we're going to sell this month. Um, I do not have a set paycheck. I don't have a set career plan. I don't have any career stability (laughs) (laughs) Also that (laughs) ever. I've never had that. Um, uh, I know, what it's like to internalize, um, these capitalistic lies, um, about what would make me a more appealing partner or whatever. Um, and I've had to learn that not only is it a privilege to let someone take care of you in the way we, um, think about privilege in terms of like access to money and resources and, um, you know, having a spouse, uh, find, having a spouse that makes enough to care for another person is a privilege. Um, but it's also a privilege in terms of like, I don't know, humanity. Like it's, I know it can be really scary to let somebody in and let them take care of you. Mm, I know it can be really scary to say, I need help. (laughs) You know, Mm. I need this time. I don't know what's next. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, um, it can be really vulnerable to do that in any life circumstance. Um, But I guess just like general blanket statement about caretaking out there, um, just because someone is providing for you in a a way that you have been taught uh, means that you're less than. Um, That's not true. It's, uh, it's, This type of support is a gift. This type of support is a true act of love and it doesn't make you a bad feminist. It doesn't make you submissive. Mm -hmm. Um, You're doing what works. He's doing what works. You're doing what has to be done. Um, He's doing what he's happy to do. and you never know where the road will take you, right? There may be a time yes, in 10 totally. years when you're married and he gets laid off and you need to 
you need to be the one that supports him. Right. And, and I yeah. recognize that like there are gender and sort of like societal stuff baked right, into right, that. Right. But as somebody who's been in a partnership where things have ebbed and flowed in terms of our ability to, to sort of support ourselves and take care of each other. Right. My experience yes. is that like, you never know what's going to happen. Right. And if you are right. building the foundation for each of you being equal participants, emotionally, spiritually, physically, right, in this relationship with each other. And the point is not about who's making more than whom, but instead, how are we as a pair trying to figure out how we're going to move through all of the different challenges that life is going to throw at us, then you're setting yourself up for success in this moment, right? Like, right. And it sounds like that is something that he is recognizing too. So, so I want to just also like pull out the idea that that this can be a healthy way to function and you all can be prepared for the fact that there may be a time when this way of being doesn't function, yes. right? Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is exactly what I want to say. Um, is that that it, that we support each other in non-monetary ways in this way, right? True. Like we emotionally show up for each other in a, in a way that ebbs and flows or that is unbalanced at times or whatever. Um, yep. And I think... I think the fact that this is about money um, makes it a little distracting because because of what we're saying, because of privilege, access, resources, ease of living, et cetera. But it, all relationships ebb and flow like this on multiple different peers. Time to be able to spend, spend with each other, attention, um, affection, um, emotional support, finances. Like yep. we all are able to show up and give and take in different ways at different seasons of our life. For sure. Absolutely. I love that. All right, my darling, we hope that this helps. And Hey, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm 30. (laughs) How old am I? 36. Um, I would one last really thing, a quick thing. One last really thing. Um, one last quick thing. Uh, uh, what I've been doing is since I don't really know what my next step is other than trying to sleep through the night. Um, uh, check out some meditations about nowness. I recommended mm. uh, Tara Brock a couple episodes ago um, and her lecture, like meditative lectures on Spotify or Apple podcasts or on her website. And I've been listening to, to some lectures about how to be in the now and how worrying about our productivity or what's next or what's the next step or you know, how am I going to prepare for 10 years from now, um, takes this away from the now. And the now is our intuition. The now is our enjoyment. The now is everything we have is the only thing we have right now. Mm-hmm. Literally now is the only thing I have because yep. nothing else is guaranteed and the past is gone. Yep. Absolutely. All right, my darling, we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you. All right, this brings us to the blind date segment of the show. Every episode, we like to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with a book called The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Uh, this is an amazing sort of contemporary fiction book that I really enjoyed. It's about uh, the story of a uh, gay man in Chicago in 1984 during the height of the AIDS crisis and then uh, sort of 20. 30, what math, 30 years later in like 2015, uh, the sister of one of this uh, man's friends trying to find her daughter in Paris after she's like escaped from a Mm -hmm. cult. Um, And it's beautifully written. It is, um, it is really sort of um, 
I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but but it, you can sort of get a full grasp of place and character from the book, mm, right? Um, there are beautiful details about how the characters operate, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. Um, and I um, got to the end of the book and was like, I would have followed these characters anywhere in their journey, right? No matter mm. where this book ended up, I think I would have been happy with it because I just enjoyed so much being able to experience the lives of these people in such a real and, and tangible way. So, um, I loved it. I gave it five stars on Goodreads, uh, which is kind of rare for me. Everybody's <laughs> so, going to go find your Goodreads account right find now, it. Sam Blackwell. That's great. You can follow me on there. I probably <laughs> will not uh, respond because I don't quite understand how the app works. Um, that is uh, my blind date. It is a book called The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our new merchandise. Get it now for a friend, a loved one, maybe not an ex, but get it for yourself. <laughs> JustBreakUpPod.com. Please remember to follow and subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to other perks at different levels. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his most recent podcast. Dang, that's weird. And <laughs> I love remember, the way you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, you are proof enough. You are proof enough of who you are, what you experienced, what you deserve what you desire right now, you are enough. You can sit in the now, you can sit in the intuition of the self and allow yourself to explore what it feels like to be here, to be you, to be enough. Letting go of expectation, letting go of the pressures to take care of other people allows you to create opportunity for more clarity and more fulfillment in the now. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>